going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, June the 28th, 2021. This is episode 72 of the show. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You have many, many ways to find the podcast. If you're somebody who just listens to the audio, you have InTheMoneyPodcast.com, you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, just to name a few options. If you're someone who watches over on YouTube, search bar Matt Burney your show, you'll get this episode along with the 71 prior. On this week's show, be going back and taking a look at some winning your in action from Churchill Downs this past Saturday, going over both the Stephen Foster and the Fleur de Lee. We had a couple of very impressive performances in those two races. Try to make heads or tails of where those respective horses will be positioned, let's say, in their rightful divisions going forward. Uh, and then we'll also go over the Friday feature this week with our guest Trish Smith. And again, if you missed it last week, the Friday feature has a new wrinkle going forward. If you happen to be the guest that will be coming on, you're the one who gets to pick what race we're talking about. Not me, you. So this week, Trish has identified the Iowa Derby from Prairie Meadows on Friday evening. That should be a fun race. We're going to get Trish's thoughts on that one, uh, as well as just everything else in general with horse racing right now. If you want to be in her position, not this coming week, not the July 5th date, because that is the national holiday for the 4th of July, and I will be doing a show, but it'll probably be very brief. If you want to be on the show, it will be as the guest for the Friday feature the following week, which if I quickly can pull this up, it would actually be Monday the... 12th of July, July the 12th. If you want to be in that position for the Friday feature, you need to leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. It's the only way I'll take an official submission. But while you're at it, I'd appreciate it if you sent me an email, bernier.matt89 at gmail.com as just sort of intro. Many of you have already done so, and I thank you for doing that. And trust me, I'm not responding to them, but I do see them. And at least now I have a way, if you correctly identify the winner, I can easily send you an email. Or if no one correctly identifies the winner, I can just go through and randomly pick somebody out, drop you a note and say, hey, you want to come aboard in a couple weeks? So uh, I would always appreciate more folks sending emails over there, bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. But your official selection for this week's Friday feature, which is the Iowa Derby, has to come beneath the video player on YouTube. So we will dive into that with Trish Smith, and we'll get you out of here in decent shape. So without further ado, let's go back and take a look at some winning your in action from this past weekend at Churchill Downs closing weekend beneath the Twin Spires, at least until uh, the middle of September. Let's talk about the Stephen Foster and let's talk about the Fleur de Lis. All right, Stephen Foster, it was a win in your in for the Breeders' Cup Classic. And no surprise, Maxfield went off odds on two to five, I believe, when all was said and done. He was way the horse to beat in this race, not by a small margin. By a massive margin. This video here is on the Breeders' Cups YouTube channel. You can go over and find it. Um, it, it just they they put up all their winning their in races, so you can go over there and check that out, or you can find this replay on any of your sort of streaming services. Uh, there's not a great deal to talk about as far as the other horses in this race are concerned. There is a fair amount to discuss, though about Maxfield himself. Now I've gone on record and I'm just going to kind of talk through as the race is being run. I, I've gone on record to say that I have no doubt about his ability. He's very clearly, in my opinion, a grade one talent as far as just the overall scope is concerned. I'm not entirely sold on a mile and a quarter and we'll dive into that more toward the end but you see the field as they're rounding the first turn right now. Maxfield has settled mid-pack let's say 
The pace up front, I think it was honest. You could make a case that it was a little bit on the swifter side, but in the big picture for grade one caliber runners, and I understand this is a grade two, but I'm this race entirely for me just revolves around Maxfield. This is a very, very comfortable pace for him to be running into, especially given the caliber of the horses that are setting the pace. I love everything that Jose Ortiz does in this spot. You keep the horse out in the clear. It's really the only way he was going to lose this race, either a disaster of a break or something, you know, something going sideways or whatever the case may be. But if you keep him parked, I don't care if he's carrying, you know, an extra quarter miles worth of ground. Just keep him in the clear and let him roll. And that's exactly what Jose does. This to me is the most critical piece when assessing Maxfield as a racehorse. I mentioned it in the ABR live stream that we did on Saturday afternoon. Maxfield is an exceptional runner on the turns. And I've said this before on this show, horses who run the turns well, I think that is a hallmark of a legitimately talented racehorse. You can really begin to separate the men from the boys, the women from the girls, you know, in the idea of can you really run on the turns? Because that's what really can be the differentiating factor between the grade one calibers and the grade twos and grade three calibers. He's geared down here. Again, I don't think you learned a heck of a lot just based on the performance itself. We knew he was good. You can see here, he wins by more than three lengths. He stops the clock in 48 and two. The buyer comes back a 103 on the heels of the 105 he earned in the Ali Sheba. Warriors charge finishes second with a 97 buyer after a terrible start. And again, I'm really not going to get into the, the minutia of the race itself because this all revolves around Maxfield for me, because I'm looking at this from a big picture standpoint, where does he stack up as far as the breeders cup classic is concerned from a speed figure standpoint, he is probably not at the absolute top, but he's not far off. And when you see him run the way that he did here in this spot, you think he stacks up very well. He's very credible as far as the grade one older horses in the United States are concerned. I maintain, despite the fact that he came home in 13 flat being geared down for his final eighth of a mile, I get the impression he is a mile and a 16th to a mile and an eighth. I would even love to see the possibility of a one-turn mile for him. I think he is an absolute just crack grade one runner but when you push him out to that 10th furlong and it's not even against this group 10 furlongs no problem i mean heck he would have won by you know seven lengths if they needed to go an extra eighth of a mile and jose needed to push on him but from the standpoint of viewing it 10 furlongs on the west coast against the horses that i mentioned last week when we were kind of discussing, well, who are the older horses? Who are the classic division runners, not including the three-year-olds who we, we know at this point? When you need to get the 10th furlong against those types, can you do it? Fully admit that I could be way off. Maybe he will handle it with, with absolute ease. But what happens when you're trying to make that turn move and instead of just you know rolling right on by horses like Sprawl and Empty Tomb, instead it's Country Grammar, it's Hot Rod Charlie, you know it's it's those kinds. When you're starting your run at the same point that Max, excuse me, um, Mystic Guide, the uh, one of the other Godolphin entrants, when you're starting your run there, 
yeah, you are fantastic running the turns, but guess who else is pretty darn good at running the turns? Mystic Guide. You know, that's what I'm very curious about with Maxfield. It's difficult for me to sit here. I said it before the race, I'm saying it now. There was really nothing he could do to make me change my opinion of him. I think he's one of the most talented horses in training. Maybe a mile and a quarter is not a problem for him. But to this point right now, I'm just not 100% sold on him against the horses that we've talked about already on the West Coast at a mile and a quarter. Now, I haven't seen what the game plan is going forward. He has his ticket. He is in the Breeders' Cup Classic, which is something that, uh, you know, now I, I feel like you're already now at a point where you are beginning to work backwards. We already know, boom, we have our, the end game, the end goal. It's set. We've got our ticket. We're good. The rest from here on seems unlikely that he's really a, a horse of the year candidate, but because he doesn't have a grade one just yet. I think of a race like the Whitney, but then again, I would assume Mystic Guide will find out this coming weekend down at Belmont Park. He's supposed to run in the Suburban. I would think you probably bring him back in the Whitney and then you sit him out until the Classic. Maybe Maxfield, you end up sending him out to the West Coast. I would love to see, and I think this year, maybe we get more horses that run in the Pacific Classic at Del Mar because that's where the Breeders' Cup's going to be. I'd rather find out now how you handle a surface like Del Mar as opposed to you know the first Saturday in November. So you could go out that route and take on the Royal Ships of the World and, and perhaps Hot Rod Charlie if they choose not to come east for the, for the Travers. Um, you know, there, there are just so many layers to this, and I, I can't make this clear enough. I am not down on this horse from a talent standpoint. I'm not down on the horse at all, period. He's a really, really talented racehorse. He has done nothing wrong in eight lifetime starts. His only defeat was happened to be at a mile and a quarter. And it also happened to be against the best company he's faced to date. That's the reason that I'm sort of holding back from being all in and, and just drooling all over him. But I, I do think you have at least the case to be made that at nine furlongs, he may be as good as anyone right now. Now, today was the first day of voting for the Breeders' Cup Classic rankings. Those should be out probably by the time any of you are listening or watching to this, watching to this, listening to this, or watching this. Um, I have Maxfield as my number seven on that list, and I'm sure some people are going to scoff and say, idiot, what are you doing? How is there, there can't possibly be six horses for the Classic that would be better off than he. Maybe not. It's my opinion. To this point right now, there are six others that I have ahead of him. And these, the beautiful thing about these rankings, they will change. They're fluid. We have a long way to go till the first Saturday in November. PTF and I will be diving into this on this week's Horse Players Happy Hour. At least that's the plan anyway. But I just, he didn't really show me anything that I didn't already know. He loves Churchill Downs. Mile and 16th to a mile and an eighth, no problem. Let's call a spade a spade, subpar company, especially when we're comparing it to the Breeders' Cup. No problem. What happens at a mile and a quarter against considerably better company? Not, not a little bit better, considerably better. I think he's really good and he could prove me wrong. And perhaps you're even going to get a price depending on how the rest of this classic division shakes down. But I think Maxfield 
is a really good horse that still has some questions to answer, as opposed to a mystic guide. Distance, not a problem for him. They have handled him a little bit more aggressively than they have Maxfield, as far as where willing to ship him over to the Middle East and run over there in Dubai. I still maintain, and let me know your feelings beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, I am willing to open myself up to the criticism and the potential being extremely wrong. I think he's number three of Godolphin's classic charges behind Mystic Guide and behind Essential Quality. That doesn't mean that he's a bad horse or I don't think highly of him. He's extremely talented. And good on Brendan Walsh for getting him sound. This is a horse that clearly had his ouchy problems. And we have now started to string together some races. He's a big, strong four-year-old cult. There's no reason to think that he's not going to continue to improve. Will he continue to improve against better horses and at a mile and a quarter? Let me know your thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Latruska wins the fleur de lis for fun. Again, you can find this video over on the Breeders' Cups YouTube channel. All of their winning your in races are going to be uploaded over there. Short field in here, but boy, is this mare just in fine, fine fashion right now. A few things to point out throughout the run here. You're going to note that the pace situation is, uh, let's say, tepid at best, especially for a mare like Latruska, who has a wicked early fastball. Let's put it that way. She can go out there and drop some legit fractions. But when you see Envoutant being basically content taking back, you're going to see Antoinette move up on the inside. Spice is nice. Got a bit of an acid test in here. And the other horses in here, including Point of Iron, they're just one-run closers. They're horses that need something to develop early on on the main track if they're going to have any chance at succeeding. The fractions in this race, and you can see at this point, very, very comfortable for a horse like Latruska, 24-2. and two. The half's going to be up in 48 and change, which, again, for her is a waltz, absolute walk in the park. I think the thing that I'm most interested in is the fact that nobody else really wanted to go with her. Uh, you would think Envoutant would have been closer um, if they were trying to win the race or were they just content getting a run in her and trying to take a chance? Uh, whatever it may be, this video and this piece anyway, this recap has much more to do with Latruska than anyone else because not only has she stamped herself, in my opinion, as the horse to beat in the distaff division but she has quietly put together a campaign that i think you could sit there and say at this stage in the game on june 28th 2021 there's a legitimate case to be made that she is the horse of the year right now now there are some interesting things that happen here mechanically you're going to see at the 16th pole she's going to swap to her left lead for a hot minute and then right back to her right lead which again not the end of the world she's 15 clear bit of hyperbole but the point is she has been a mare that has been extremely professional throughout and when you start to see little things like that it's at least something that you may want to keep an eye on and i'm sure some of you who don't care about lead changes just fast forward through it not the end of the world she also does something a little bit goofy here as far as her mechanics are concerned on the turn and that's not typically her she's usually straight and true and you see, I think a lot of it has to do with her just being bored out there. Don't get me wrong. But the 16th pole piece that I'm going to just, we're going to run it back one more time. This does at least stick a little bit of a, okay, my ears are up and not in a great 
manner. I, I'm at least aware of this piece right there where she just, it was nothing more than two or three jumps. Uh, but I wonder if now, and I understand Fausto Gutierrez, the trainer has said that, you know, she's just the kind of mare that does better with more racing. And I appreciate the fact that from a sporting standpoint, you bring her back Wheeler, which, you know, nowadays in three weeks or four weeks, that might as well be, you know, seven days. It feels like, especially for the top flight, top level runners for her to come back and run the way that she did. Granted, it was a very cushy setup. Um, she has very, very quietly. And I say quietly just simply because of some of the other, you know, some of the other divisions take more attention than others do specifically the three-year-olds. But you look at her 2021 campaign thus far, she has one loss, and that came by a head to She Dares the Devil in the Azari, a day in which She Dares the Devil was able to just get out there all by her lonesome and turned away a, a stiff challenge from Latruska in deep stretch. Again, Latruska does her best running when she's actually the one controlling things. So that run in the Azari, I think, was actually every bit as good as anything else she's done here thus far in 2021. But a victory in the Houston Ladies Classic, the Apple Blossom, a grade one, the grade one Ogden Phipps at a one-turn mile and a 16th, and now at a mile and an eighth in the grade two, grade two Fleur de Lis. She's punched her ticket in back-to-back races, actually, winning your ends for the Breeders' Cup distaff. She's just in raging form right now. I throw out that lead change thing just if you're trying to be a contrarian wherever she shows up next. Now at least maybe you have something that you can hang your hat on and say, Oh, well, she wasn't perfect in that last run. And yes, again, before anybody, you know, starts saying stupid stuff, listen to me, don't hear me. I'm not saying that she's not going to win whatever her next race is. I'm not saying that she's not the best filly or mare going right now. But if you're looking from a gambling standpoint to try to find something to play against her with, maybe that's what it is. And you're, you're probably drawing at straws or grasping at straws, I should say. But, but the, the point is what you're supposed to do with a horse that's going to be odds-on in her next race. You're supposed to look for any little piece that you can critique. And there it is. If we're just looking at the paper, she's typically going to be on the lead. She is very consistent. She shows up and runs her race. She is a winner 15 times from 20 lifetime starts. She's done nothing wrong here in 2021. And I think... There, there is an absolute legitimate case to be made that on this day right now, granted, we're not even into July. There's a case to be made that Latruska is the horse of the year. Now, we'll see what Mystic Guy does when he comes back on Saturday. We'll find out what he does going forward. We'll find out what a horse like Silver State, who quietly has put together a legitimate campaign for older horses. The three-year-olds have kind of taken turns beating one another for being honest and calling a spade a spade. They've, they've run well, but they have, you don't have that one horse who has just won everything. But this mare is in raging form, and she's put together a campaign that I think you can sit there and say she's defeated Monomoy Girl. She's defeated She Dares the Devil and Bonnie South. I mean, she's defeated anyone that's really come at her. And she's done it at different tracks and in different configurations. She's just a really cool mayor, and I think there's a legit case to be made that if you cast your vote today, which obviously we don't, we still have months and months ahead of us, but if the votes were today, I think you could argue that Latruska is the horse of the year right now to this point in 2021.
She deserves to be one of, if not the main players in the Breeders' Cup distaff at Del Mar in a few months' time. Let me know your thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt about this year's Fleur de Lis, about this mare, about any of the other fillies or mares that ran in the race, your thoughts about uh, Maxfield, anybody else in that race, or if you have any other thoughts, questions, comments about racing from this past weekend, whether it's the two-year-old stakes at Churchill or anywhere else, leave those beneath the video player or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. We'll get into them next week. Right now, though, we transition into this week's Friday feature with our guest, Trish Smith. All right, Friday feature time, joined by Trish Smith, the winner of last week's Friday feature. She's a returning guest. She's actually been on here. Is this your third time, Trish? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the third time. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a knack for winning these things, first and foremost. Congratulations. Welcome back. How are you? Pretty good. How about yourself? Hanging in there. It's a little bit of a warm one where we are, but I feel like oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of hot everywhere, it seems like. I'm not even going to talk about the West Coast, but up our, our neck of the woods in New England, I think we're... We're up over 100 today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. So a little bit on the warm side, but it's summer. What else do you expect? Exactly, exactly. And I hate the cold, so I can't really complain. I, I'm right there with you. I would much rather have this than 10 degrees and snow out on the ground. So Yeah, exactly. Um, before we get into the race that you've selected for us to go over, the Iowa Derby on Friday evening at Prairie Meadows, we haven't had a chance to catch up since the Triple Crown came and went. And even some of these older horses are starting to get back into the swing of things at the top of the show. I already talked about both Latruska and Maxfield winning this past weekend down at Churchill Downs. Let's start with the three-year-olds. Um, what were your overall thoughts with, with specifically the males uh, running out through the Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont. And uh, as we get closer and closer to a race like the Haskell and obviously the Travers in, in August. Yeah, maybe this is me just being a little bit of a negative Nancy. I will say it's really hard for me to get excited about three-year-old males on dirt just because I'm always afraid they're going to be retired to stud before even the classic. So to be honest, I much prefer like the female division I think is really interesting, especially with Monomoy Girl, Latruska, Swiss Skydiver. I think that that could be really interesting. The males, I still, which ones will end up you know, going, I'm really not 100% sure. Although I will say, I, should, I shouldn't say that completely because I love essential quality, I think has been really good. Midnight Bourbon and Mandaloon. Those have kind of always been my top three for this year's three-year-old division. And Jackie's Warrior, I guess, not not for the classic, but for a one-turn, I think that he's proven to be a very, very decent one-turn horse. So. You, brought a, you brought up a horse that I've, I've always been a fan of, but to be honest, I'm kind of I still think he might be better either next year as a four-year-old, assuming we get that far, or at shorter distances, or maybe a combination of the two. But Midnight Bourbon still feels like that mm -hmm. kind of horse that kind of slides a little bit under the radar simply because yeah. he hasn't really had that big victory to date. Um, I, I tend to agree with you, though. I think he's probably one of the, I don't want to say more disrespected runners of the three-year-old division, but he's definitely, he doesn't get the headlines the way that essential quality or Mandaloon, or Hot Rod Charlie, or even Medina Spirit, the current Derby winner anyway, um, the way that any of those horses do. And I'm, I'm just curious. I wonder, I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think it's just many people kind of wonder, what does he actually want to do? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And obviously, he's been one of the horses that I think I followed the most since the two-year-old season. This is the first time I think the three-year-olds I've actually watched them progress. So that's kind of cool. But I definitely think Midnight Bourbon is kind of underrated. But I mean, I'm fine with because usually you get a decent price on him, I feel like, for the horse that he is. And I also think even like he's out of Tappet. So I do think that he could be a horse that just takes a little bit more time to mature. I could see him getting better. I still, 
And I could be completely wrong, but I still think that he's a horse that we quite haven't seen the best of yet. So, And it's a good way for us to transition into the Friday feature this week. It's race number six at Prairie Meadows on Friday evening. It is the Iowa Derby. $250,000 is the purse. It is not a graded stakes event, which is interesting because the Iowa Oaks is still a graded event, but the boys race is not for whatever reason. Who knows? Who really cares, to be honest? Yeah. Um, but from a racing standpoint, we have three-year-olds and we have some names that we are familiar with that tried at least to get involved in the Triple Crown. Some of them successfully did so, including Superstock, who ran in the Kentucky Derby two starts back. He came back most recently down at Lone Star, and I don't know that I want to hold that race against him. It was basically running a deluge. I mean, there was rain all over the place. It was a sloppy sealed track. I was never the biggest fan going into it, the, the sort of Arkansas Derby and Kentucky Derby with this horse, but it is fair to acknowledge that he has one of the faster races coming into a race like the Iowa Derby. What are your overall opinions on Superstock? Do you think he ends up being the favorite when all is said and done, he is the morning line favorite at seven to two? I mean, personally, I hope that he ends up being the favorite because I've just never been a fan of him. I still, I understand he could easily win this race. Um, to be honest, of all of the three Derby, because I feel like Proxy and Nova Rags also, they were on the Derby trail. So I feel like they're kind of all going to end up being a little bit overbet. Superstock, I've never been a huge fan of. And Proxy is a horse that I just really haven't decided if I like him or not. Like I've never really been anti him, but I've never really been totally crazy about him. I don't know if it's immature. For some reason, I just keep thinking immature. I don't know if that's the right word to describe him, but that's kind of what I where I go with, even though, I mean, he's beaten Midnight Bourbon and Mandaloon. And honestly, after the Compte, I was like, okay, well, maybe he's a horse that, you know, does have something because he did fight very, very gamely to beat Mandaloon that day. But there's just something about him that I just don't know if his maturity is all there. I don't know if that's I feel like I just keep coming back to that. And also, especially as a closer, though, I just feel like I kind of hold closers a little bit to a higher standard, especially for two-year-olds and three-year-olds on dirt. If they even show a little bit of not being the most professional racehorse, I just, especially if they're a closer, I just don't really want anything to do with them. So from that perspective, I honestly hope that Superstock and Proxy both get kind of overbet. But, but they both could easily win. Between them, though, I would definitely go with Proxy because he has been away, so... You know, he might show that he can run up to that form, though. I feel like I've said it in the past. I, I kind of agree with you. I think he is just mentally, it's not there yet. I think he's going to be a work in progress. But I, I, I genuinely believe there is ability here. And who knows? Mm -hmm. He's been gone for some time. The blinkers come off. Maybe he just needed a little bit of time to kind of grow into himself and, and figure th some things out. Because for him to run the way that he did against the names that you rattled off, both Midnight Bourbon and Mandaloon, you you've ha you got to have something to be able to run exactly. with those. Exactly, and, I, you know and what I, feel, I mean? yeah, and I feel bad saying like, oh, I love Midnight Bourbon and Mandaloon, and then not throwing <laughs> Proxy into that, being like, oh, but I hate Proxy, you know, and which I really don't. I just, especially from a win perspective, I guess I should say like underneath, I definitely think that he'll be coming in, but just as a win type, I just am not sure if he's quite there yet. If he beats me at a win, like I'm okay with it, but I think he's going to have to win a few races before I necessarily want to bet him. He's one I think we will see his best either late, late as a three-year-old or as a four-year-old next year. Yeah. Uh, but that's simply conjecture. We'll find out in time. Who knows? Maybe Friday night is the night that he decides to take a step forward. You would exactly. also, you would also mention Nova Rags, uh, mm -hmm. who I, I'm really, I have a difficult time figuring out what to do with here for Bill Mott. They're stretching him back out in distance to two turns. 
His two most recent starts both came at one turn. One was a one-turn mile and an eighth. The other one was one-turn seven furlongs in the grade one Woody Stevens. Not going to hold that race against him because Jackie's Warrior and Drain the Clock both put on a show that day. He was also on the worst part of the racetrack, in my opinion, down toward the inside. The Peter Pan, he loomed up. He almost poked ahead in front, and he just kind of flattened out at the end of the run, and, and Promise Keeper ran away from him. I, I'm, I'm afraid that he is sort of plateaued a little bit because he has effectively four consecutive races if you're someone who uses buyer speed figures in that mid-80 range. If he yeah. can take a step forward, which, again, if Bill Mott continues down this path with him, I have to think he believes in him. And maybe he just needs a little bit of class relief to really put things together. My bigger concern or my bigger question is, and I'll pose the question to you, what does he want to do? Is he a one-turn horse? Does he want to go two turns and longer? What do you think? Yeah, that's, I honestly am with you. I have no idea, really. I will say the Woody Stevens, though, I of all of those three, I definitely, Nova Rags was one of the ones I was thinking about using on top. Um, I didn't end up going with him, but he's definitely a horse that I'm definitely going to be using in like a pick five, pick four ticket, just because the Woody Stevens, I mean, third, and I know that he wasn't anywhere near Jackie's Warrior and Drain the Clock, but there just, there isn't a Jackie's Warrior in this race and Drain the Clock, you know, I just don't think that he's really going to be against that. It is one turn, but I'm kind of with you. I have no idea really what he wants to do. So I'm just kind of going to get, trust the trainer that he assumes that the longer distance will be better for him, so... We have a few horses coming out of the Prairie uh, Prairie Meadows Mile. Uh, you've mm -hmm. got the four, Flash of Mischief. You've got the five, Stiletto Boy. You also have the seven, Gage Town, who was the winner of that race. For Brad Cox, Florent Giroux takes the mount. Here, from a speed figure standpoint, there's a compelling case to be made that Gage Town is one of those horses. And I suppose you're really splitting hairs between Gage Town and Flash of Mischief because they were only separated by a neck in that yeah. stakes race. But there's a compelling case to be made that from a numbers standpoint, they may get lost in the shuffle because they aren't the biggest names that we've seen or that are going to be running in this race, but they are every bit as fast as some of those horses that are a little bit more well-known. Uh, overall thoughts on that race as a whole and the runners coming out of that race? Well, it's, I mean, I guess I should say that I like them because Gagetown is going, he, I landed on Gagetown just because, especially if I get anything more than six to one on Brad Cox, Florent Drew, and he's coming off a win at that track. I mean, I'll, I, I feel like he could end up being a better price because I do think that like the proxy of the super stocks, I feel like they're going to end up being over bet a little bit. And I mean, it, it's hard for me to really determine how, what the class of the race and because I know I said I like Gagetown, I feel like I should like Class of Mischief. But the only thing that I kind of have an issue with, I feel like he's going to have to deal with like the likes of Proxy coming in and closing on him. And I'm just not sure if he could quite hold on. But when I first looked at this race, the two horses that I thought would be on the lead would probably be Flash of Mischief and Stiletto Boy. I don't, were those the two that you were kind of? Yeah. And, and I think one of the other things that you bring up, uh, those two horses seem very logical as far as pace setters are concerned. They're going to go, I would have to imagine. I think it's yeah. the only way either of them can win the race. Your point about Flash of Mischief, not only is he going to have to deal with other pace early on, but to date anyway, distance hasn't really been his friend. He's gotten a little yeah. short at the very end of these races run at a flat mile. So now you got to deal with an extra 16th of a mile with some of these other horses that are going to be rallying from off of it, you brought up Proxy, uh, whether it is a, a horse like Nova Rags who's going to get involved as well, or the horse who actually won that race in the selection of yours in Gagetown, who's a horse that's going to come from a few lengths off of it as opposed to being up there pushing things. Those are my concerns with a horse like Flash of Mischief. But at the same time, if you can kind of draw up the scenario in your head 
that perhaps this one is the controlling speed in the race, then I suppose, uh, you know, I'm not going to try to talk you off of a horse that's going to be almost 10 to one, but yeah. I think we've both yeah. kind of made our case that a mm, little bit leery. Yeah. And maybe like trifecta suit, like at the end of the pack, I could see him holding on, especially over stiletto boy. Like I don't think stiletto boy will be anywhere in there. I just don't think his figures, he really will class up to this field. So if I was going to pick one of them, I would say flash of mischief, but just on an under use underneath type. Uh, a few of the other horses that we haven't quite touched on just yet, the three bourbon thunder, the six right and just, and the eight snow house. Let's start with the three in here. That's bourbon thunder for Ian Wilkes. You know, I, I'm still not sold that two turns is really what this one wants to do. You take a look and see what some of the best runs have come as from a configuration standpoint, they've all been one turn. I think they're taking their shot here, seeing if two turns is something this horse can handle. And I guess the built-in pieces, if for whatever reason, he doesn't take to it, you turn him back to one turn, maybe for a race up at Saratoga. He's a little bit slow on figs. That's my biggest concern right now. What did you think of bourbon thunder? Yeah, I just thought he was too slow, honestly, when I looked at the figs. And then when I looked back at the races, I just, I couldn't necessarily see that he could jump up enough to win this race, so. Uh, the six right and just is a horse who I think can be forward. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one's a little bit more aggressive than maybe the paper would suggest. Maybe right up there in that front running style with the four and the five drawn just to the inside. So this, this pace scenario could be a little bit more lively than maybe it seems at, at first glance. He was humbled in the Louisiana Derby, humbled in the Risen Star. Even with the path of least resistance trying to get in here with a race like the Texas Derby, he just, I, I don't think he's quite good enough to run with these types right now. I don't want to totally, you know, poo-poo a horse that's going to be a decent price. I just have a hard time seeing it. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I completely agree. I just have a hard time seeing it, so... I just, I would, the figures, I just think, and he has, like you said, he's ran against some of the others. And even on their worst day, like I think Proxy, even if he is immature, I just think a lot of these horses are just better than him, even if they don't bring their A game. To me, the wild card of the race is Snowhouse, the number eight in here, yes, coming in yeah. for Brad Cox. Again, this is the second Brad Cox entrant in here. Joel Rosario takes them out. This is a horse who, since moving to the dirt, granted the first time out on the main track, was due to a turf race coming off, has gone right to the front and has been able to prevail in both spots going a mile, one of them being two turns at Keeneland, one of them being one turn at Churchill Downs. The speed figures, relatively competitive in the grand scheme of things, very light on experience, but I'm curious from a running style standpoint, some of the paces that this one has been up pushing, they haven't been all that fast. And with those three horses that we just touched on in the middle of the field, assuming they all go, I'm going to be curious to see what Joel Rosario does here with this one. If anyone jumps up in a big way, other than proxy, for the reasons that we've talked about, he's already run fast. He's kept good running lines. If it's not proxy, I wonder if it's Snowhouse that jumps up in a big way. What were your thoughts on him? Oh, absolutely. The three outside runners were the ones that Gage Town, Nova Rags, and Snowhouse were the ones I kept kind of coming back to for a win standpoint. And like you said, very lightly raced. So if he jumps up in a big way, I could totally see it. And the jockey trainer combo is great. And I think that he's going to be a good price. So be very, but I, am, I do have some concerns though, for what, since he is so lightly raced, you know, was the pace that good? Was it that fast? I do have some concerns, but those are all like, things that I think with such a lightly raced horse, granted, this isn't the, I don't think the trying to say this in the nicest way possible. I don't think this is the deepest graded stakes field. So this is not a terrible spot to try to kind of get your feet wet and see what you've got from a racehorse standpoint. At the same time, it is a class height. He's going to need to run against mm -hmm. the best horses he's ever faced. So I'll be very curious to see 
not only how he performs, but how he performs and with what running style. Is he going to be prominent early on or is he going to settle more mid-pack and try to make some sort of a run? So race number six on Friday, it is the Friday feature. It's the $250,000 Iowa Derby. Trish Smith, officially on record, your selection for the race is? Number seven, Gagetown. Number seven, Gagetown, six to one for Brad Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. Trish, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck here in this race. And we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks. Have a great night. You too. Thank you again to Trish Smith for helping out with this week's Friday feature. Again, the Iowa Derby on Friday evening. If you want to be in Trish's position on Monday, the 12th of July, not this coming Monday for the holiday, the following week, you need to leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. Uh, And again, as always, I would appreciate anybody that just wants to kind of throw their hat in the ring as a backup or just make things easier to try to contact you if you are the winner, uh, bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. For those of you who listen to the audio-only version, you have many ways to find the show, although you've already listened to it, so I'm sure you're fully aware of where you can find them. But just in case you missed it somehow, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. If you're over on YouTube, search Bar Matt Bernier Show. This episode, along with the 71 prior, they're all archived. They're all over there. Please rate, review, and subscribe however you listen to any of these. And if you're over on YouTube, make sure that bell icon's lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. Uh, Programming note coming up Saturday and Sunday of this week, Belmont Park, NBC, and NBCSN will be down there for some Breeders' Cup Challenge Series winning your in-action, the Suburban. I sound like a broken record. But boy, I'm so looking forward to And knock on wood, it ends up shaking down this way. We get Mystic Guide. We get Happy Saver. Perhaps we even get some other big names showing up in that Suburban at a mile and a quarter. Should be a fun, fun race. There's other great racing all weekend down at Belmont Park. So join us, NBC, NBCSN, this Saturday and Sunday. Belmont Park in Elmont, New York. Looking forward to getting down there. Uh, And until next Monday, which again, there will be a show. It'll probably be a brief one knowing it's the holiday and everybody's out doing whatever it may be. Um, But until next Monday, good luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 72 of the Matt Bernier Show.